Welcome back to the CDM Podcast. You're now listening to exclusive patron-only content. Contagious Disciple Making exists to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. And now, part two. All right. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Uh, Like, share, rate, and review, and help us get the word out so together we can help more people become disciple makers. Let me just explain this, guys. The rating system and the the liking system really helps because when you put a five-star rating on Apple or you leave a review, then it bumps it up into the search uh, features so that other people can find it as well. And a lot of people, if they're like me, they're short on time, and so they read the reviews, they look at the ratings, and they pick something that's the highest rated one within the topic they're interested in in order to be able to move forward. So you're liking this, you're taking the time to write a review is super, super helpful. Now, okay, we told you before we left that we were going to talk about the first part. We we're going to talk about 13 Things That Mentally Strong People Don't Do by Amy Morin. This is the CDM Book Club uh, book that we're going to be diving into. It's an incredible book. I've read it. Rebecca's reading it. I've actually going th- gone through it with my interns, and I think that it is phenomenal. It's now required reading for anyone that I'm mentoring uh, to go through and stuff like that. So, There are three topics that she deals with that I think are huge. Uh, The first one, and she spends a whole chapter on each of these three things. Yeah, these are all habits. They're all habits. Okay, she says that mentally strong people, this is the first one, mentally strong people don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. But what if I really like doing that? I know, just sometimes what you get a I, lot of pleasure yeah, from, but, like, what if I, wallowing <laughs> into the morass. I will be honest, How there were times. I eat all that ice cream and, and Oh, my stuff. goodness. There have been times in my life where, I and I will be honest, that it was like, I don't want to feel better. Mm-hmm. I like feeling miserable. And literally, that thought has crossed my mind. And I've had to have this internal dialogue of, wow, I am being an idiot. How bad can you get to like feeling miserable and sometimes to like the intention it brings? And we'll talk to that about that here in just a second. But what are some of the negative things that come when we feel sorry for ourselves? Well, first of all, feeling sorry for ourselves delays action. And I like this quote from the book. It says, as long as you feel sorry for yourself, you can delay any circumstances that will bring you face to face with your real fears. And you can avoid taking any responsibility for your own actions. And this is the, this is a very common modern day problem where we have, we're in love with victimhood. You know, I, I, I have this disadvantage and that disadvantage, and there's just no way they could possibly overcome anything because of how badly this world has has done me. And 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 I'm not trying to say that bad things don't happen to us. That's nothing. Obviously, some very bad things could have happened to us. But if we let ourselves, you know, wallow in that and make that our banner of why we can't move forward in life, it really becomes self-defeating instead mm-hmm. of seeking healing for these things. Feeling sorry also, uh, feeling sorry for yourself also gains attention. Oh my goodness. Have you ever ha- seen that post on Facebook where it's like, I don't want to get into specifics, but I'm just having a real bad day. Could you pray? It's called vague booking. 
It's called vague booking. I hope that you've never done it. I try to actively avoid doing it because what happens is, is your loving friends get on there and go, it's okay, you're doing good. And every time we see that like or that comment, we get a little little shot of dopamine. And then we get the text to the ones that have our individual cell phone number, just checking in on you. How are you doing? And then what happens is, is we like that. And then our brain notices that, and the next time we're feeling slightly bad, we're tempted to do it again so that we can get that attention from people. So let me let me you know let me just be be clear. It is not, it, it's it's not that it's not okay to reach out and say right. I'm feeling bad, I need help or something. But if we're not specific about it, if we don't maybe reach out to a trusted friend and maybe talk about this more in specifics, we can just get into this loop of just you know, needing this vague affirmation instead of actually doing that. Now, feeling feeling sorry for (laughs) yourself is also an act of digging in your heels and resisting change. And I just really want to say that this is something that sometimes that um, in a way that I deal with my life in the sense of sometimes I just, I don't like what's happening in my life or what has happened Instead of accepting it and just moving on with dealing with it, it's almost like an act of, of revenge defiance. or an act of defiance against it right. and feeling sorry for myself. And so, you know, this is really, I mean, especially as Paul and I have been coaching a lot of people, this is a point in which we constantly have to get people past where it's just like, look, I'm really sorry that thing happened to you and that also thing happened to you in the past Yes, these things are really bad, but hey, you know, we can get to a better place. We just need to, to, to leave that there, leave that sorrow and hurt there, and let's move on to the next place. So we want to make sure that really a lot of this feeling sorry for ourselves or our grief or whatever isn't actually a veiled way of us rebelling against That's God right. or, or covering disobedience. Or, mm-hmm. you know, some other way, some, something else, if we hold on to these things for too long. Just like, you know, feeling sorry for yourself. I love how you said covering disobedience. It also can be used as a justification for sin. Well, I, this happened to me. Therefore, I deserve to be bitter. Therefore, I deserve to do these things. And that leads into the next point the book makes, which is ultimately feeling sorry for yourself leads to new problems that can have serious consequences. Feeling sorry for yourself, if it gone on too long, can make you feel depression. They can lead to avoidance. They can lead to self-medication or addiction or sin, other sin things. They can damage relationships if you feel sorry for yourself too long. And so we don't don't we don't want to do that so what what are we doing what do we want to do well in fact i just want to say like you know if if anybody's seen star wars episode 2 and 3 where yes. you know there's the downfall of anakin going to the dark side you know he's supposed to go to the dark side because you've seen episodes 4 5 and 6 like a sane person you did that first mm-hmm. and That's so right. you know that he's going <laughs> You know that he's going to go towards the dark side, but it's still painful. You're like, please don't do it, Anakin. I know that right. horrible thing happened, but don't react in anger and revenge. And and mm-hmm. so, but this is and so we need to learn to have that for ourselves. Hey, this can only end badly for you. That's right. So let's get off of the feeling sorry for ourselves train. Don't, don't go to the dark side. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. So what do we do to combat this? 
okay, we cultivate gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I know that there have been times that, and situations in my life many times where I felt very, very sorry for myself. And I walked into a CDM community meeting, and every one of our community meetings begins with a celebration time where we're celebrating what God has done through the hard work of men and women just like you who are listening to this right now. And we, we get to listen to those stories. And, and as a result, and that gratitude, then all of a sudden, I start feeling grateful to the Lord, and I start having a positive view on life. And then when I go down into my house, I just start thanking the Lord for all the things that I looked at. Like even this morning, I was having a really rough time this morning and I just went down and I just, I just started to praise the Lord and I started thanking him. And I started saying, you know, Lord, you did not have to give me that bread machine. That's an extra. And I'm grateful for that. You didn't have to give me that plant over there that was sent by a friend of mine. That's an extra, and I'm grateful for that. You didn't have to do this, and you didn't have to do this, and you didn't have to do this, but I am grateful, Lord. And I just, and all of a sudden, I just watched my mood do this shift. It was like a chiropractor went in and adjusted my spine, and I was just like, oh my goodness. So it was great. So cultivate gratitude. Volunteer. That's another one. Well, you know, we talked about this at the bit, at the um, beginning, and this actually kind of is is, is uh, a little bit connected with, you know, the next one, which is random acts of kindness. But really when it comes to, um, it's again, it goes against what our old ways of what we'd said to deal with depression and hard times is that, oh, well, you just spend time alone taking care of yourself <laughs> and, and everything. And, and, and I'm not saying you never give yourself any alone time or, you know, rest. Right. But the point is, is that actually when you're, you're really in a bad spot, forcing yourself outside of yourself really helps. So engage people that don't know Jesus. Realize right. that people going to hell is a lot worse than the problem that you're dealing with right now. And I don't mean to minimize what you're going through. You might be going through excruciating pain. You might be going through a, a loss of a, of a close loved one and, you know, or, or whatever it is, it could be something really tough. But again, getting outside of yourself and realizing there are people that are needy and hurting and you can love them and lead and lead them to Jesus. That is going to give you joy. You know, I went through a really hard time in my life. I, I uh, you know, after 20 years of marriage, my, my spouse chose that she didn't want to be married to me anymore. And that was terrible. And it was one of the most crushing things I could have ever gone through. But, and I could have sat and I mean, everyone would have given me permission to sit and to do everything. But you know what I did is I leaned in and I'm like, no, I got to help people. And Rebecca can attest to this, that I would start off the day feeling terrible about my situation. I mean, and, and I can smile about it now because I've, I've done the hard work of getting through it. I start off the day feeling terrible, but then I take my first coaching call and I would help somebody and I would hear about the breakthroughs they made in their life. And then I'd feel a little bit better. And then I'd take the next coaching call and I'd take the next coaching call. And then I would go to a community meeting and then I would pray with other Christians. And every single one of those things by the end of the day changed my outlook and, and every day chained together, every week chained together, every month chained together. And it changed everything for me. I had every right to feel sorry, but engaging and doing things, random acts of kindness, being active. That's another one. Focusing on doing the next small thing. They always help me to move forward. So this moves into our next habit. What is the next habit that we're talking about? It's mentally strong people don't shy away from change. I I did read this chapter and I thought it was a really 
good chapter, mm-hmm. especially as being a disciple maker. See, a di- being a disciple maker is all about helping other people move forward and accept change too, not just yourselves, and not just yourself. And so, you know, uh, as a person who is a coach and who's run DMCs and things like that, I just really found this helpful to say like, okay, when you're helping somebody develop habits of being a disciple maker in their everyday life, you're helping them towards change. And that's not easy. It's not easy to have a complete lifestyle change. And so, uh, uh, and everything. So you, how can you help people get to that next step? And one of the things really is in the mind. It is a huge battle in the mind when we're, you know, and emotions when you're dealing with high levels of change. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's huge. And COVID and isolation and how we work. I mean, all of that has changed our society at a fundamental level. And so I'm sure that you're dealing with this. So so we have to be meant aware of how we mentally and emotionally respond to the idea of change. Because then it helps us understand. Because, you know, we'll be like, yes, I want to do that prayer calendar. I want to get into that prayer calendar. And then two weeks later, we're like, wait a minute, I didn't do it. And you're like, I even tried. I even set reminders on my phone to remind me to do and I still didn't do it what is happening and then you can very easily spiral at that particular time but we have to realize that there may be an emotional issue in there yeah, so you may sit there and go, oh, I have no idea if I, if I, I mean, you know, I'm good with change. I like change. I'm spontaneous and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, in the book, Amy Moran um, sits there and includes a checklist to help us to know whether we are um, struggling with change or not. And some of these things may be surprising to you. And so, uh, first of all, I, if you know that you are struggling with change, if you tend to justify a bad habit by convincing yourself that what you're doing isn't that bad. Oh, I go to church. I may not, I, I, I may not go out and, and go on the streets and, and tell people about Jesus or, or engage the lost or volunteer or everything. But, but, you know, I go to church and guess what? The most important people that I could be discipling are my children. Mm-hmm. That's one that we see a lot, and I've heard that in church a lot. That that they're using they're using the their children and their family as an excuse to not engage the broader world around them, and and so that's that's one thing. Another one is um, you experience a lot of anxiety about changes to your routine. I mean, if you start feeling that stress, like your shoulders tensing up, anything something changes in your routine. Then, or you get angry at people who change your routine, you may be struggling with uh, with change. And now, this is next one I think is really big. Even when you're in a bad situation, you worry worry that making a change might make things worse. You know, people and the, and they've said this a lot in different studies. People will stay in terrible, terrible situations yeah. for a very long time simply because they fear the unknown worse than they do. I can deal with the bad that I know. But I don't know if I could deal with the bad that I don't know. And so, again, remember what we were talking about earlier, how Satan can make something just seem so much more scary than it actually yes. is? And so, and, and fortune tell bad things happening instead of good things happening. So uh, uh, be aware that sometimes you're thinking like, what you know, try to see if your thinking is all about, well, if I do this, what if all these terrible things happen? And so, you know, that is a good indication that, 
you're in this area where it's just your emotions and mentality that's keeping you in the way of change. Yeah, sometimes if another one is that if you've ever tried to make a change and you struggle to stick with the change, you might struggle with change itself. And so it's like you just don't want to sustain that habit. And you can you can then justify it, go, well, I tried to do that once and it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And then now you're justifying staying the same. How many people have been on a work plan, a workout exercise plan? And, oh, I tried that and it didn't work for me. Or, or, or a weight loss plan. Oh, I tried that and it didn't work for me. Or we can get into engaging the lost. I tried it once and it didn't work for me. There's a lot of those that come in. You guys know what I'm talking about. The next one is pretty good. You think a lot about making changes, but you put off doing anything different until so later. So this is a huge one. And it's basically the reason why we have I will statements as a part of every DBS. And actually mm-hmm. ask people to to make a I will statement. As a because yep. we it, that's what we do habitually as a Christian culture. We sit there, we read something, we should be loving more, we should be forgiving more, we should be doing this or not doing that. And and we're like, yeah, we should. And then we leave and we don't actually do anything. And so if we don't actually put an action point to it, we're just simply saying, we'll do it later, we'll figure it out, and then we don't. And so we have to realize that's part of our mental problems with change. You may be resisting change because the thought of stepping outside your comfort zone or doing anything new uh, just seems too scary, too hard, or like too big of a commitment. We get that one all the time with coaching that we'll get people who come to us and go, oh, that's just, that's just too big of a commitment. I, and this is particularly in the prayer calendar. I can't commit to calling someone every day for 30 days because what if I, make, if I miss a day? Mm-hmm. And they'll be so worried that they'll miss a day or two in the prayer calendar that they'll give up 28 or 20 successful days because they're afraid of 10 days when they might have made a mistake. In fact, I really think that one is a big, uh, a good one to transition into that she goes from saying, this is some signs that you may be having problems with mental problems, emotional problems with change. It might be hanging you up to Hey, instead of thinking about what is going to be all the bad stuff that may happen, you change. What if we thought about what would happen if you didn't change? Mm -hmm. And so this idea that, oh, well, change or trying something new seems so scary or so hard or too big a commitment. she, She encourages you, and I really love this idea, to make a pros and cons list of of uh, identifying the you know what is what are the good things that can happen from change and what are the bad things that can happen from changing and vice and also for the other thing what are the pros and cons of changing and not changing and weigh those and saying so you see and obviously most things in life you're going to see all the benefits of changing and being yeah. able to go for it so we have to realize that there are real consequences for not changing. And right. one of them is the fact that you never grow. That's okay? right. That means you're stuck in the same place. You're in a rut. You won't learn new things. You're going to be the same person as who you were when you graduated college. 
oh my goodness, still talking about that touchdown yeah. that you made yeah. or or that that test that you passed or how you did at at your all state competitions. I mean having the yeah. same habits that you had when you were a college student waiting until the last minute perhaps or having incredible amounts of disorganization, passivity, whatever it is, like you you're never grow to be a person who is more mature and, and things like that. And, and, and similarly to that, it, the, she says one of the con- the uh, consequences of that in, in connection with that mm-hmm. is that other people will outgrow you. So, oh, you know, I mean, if you ever think about that, I mean, now, uh, of course, the converse can happen is that if you grow a lot that you can outgrow other people. But wouldn't it be much, much worse to be the one person that, you know, everyone else moves on in their maturity level and things like that, and you're the one just always is stuck in the back of the, you know, the the the, the bus, so to speak, and you know, because you know your habits and the way that you live life and things like that are just not indicative of growing and stuck in the same place. Yeah, you're you're the other the other things that can happen is your life may not get better. No, and then I love this. Or get one. worse. Yeah. The light, the longer you wait, the harder it gets. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I used to be 30 pounds heavier than I am now. And, and let me just tell you that it's a lot harder to take off 30 pounds than it is to develop, to lose five pounds. And it's a lot harder to take off 30 pounds than it is to just set a good habit and never gain the weight in the first place. And so the longer that you let it go, the more pounds you allow to add on in your life, metaphorically or literally, then the harder it is to change. Right. And so, you know, one of the things she says about accepting change, we've already talked about, you know, having a list of pros and cons for changing versus not changing to help you be able to see all the reasons why this is a good idea. It's called developing your why. This is mm. why I'm doing this. This is why. So whenever these these that these negative feelings and things come up, you remind yourself like, okay, this is why I'm doing this, and you can push past it. And Paul also talked about this up the, the next one earlier, which is becoming aware of your emotions. That's right. And, and it'll help you manage those negative thoughts. You know, you talked you talked to Paul about you know you're noticing yourself tense up or you're noticing yourself you know kind of hesitating as you're about ready to do something or you're about ready to give that excuse you always give and you're like wait a minute <laughs> yeah you know this is where that okay calm down think this through follow through you know yeah. on those things I- I often call that a feel it. You'll you'll ask me to do something uh, sometimes when we're working together, and I get that tension in the back of my neck and stuff like that, and there's this anxiety almost in it. And I've gotten to where I call it the I just don't want us. I have no real reason for not wanting to do it. In fact, it may be the greatest thing in the world. But for some reason, my body, my physical response is, I just don't want to. <laughs> and so I have to sit there and confront that in myself, and I go, okay, now you're being stupid. Everything that she just said to do makes total sense and it's going to accomplish great things. And so you just need to get over it. So yeah. I identified the thought. I identified the feelings. I confront it. And then I, re- I start to relax and I start to do it. And by the end of it, I'm like, yes, that was great. And so I behave like the person I want to become, even if I may not want to at 
the beginning. So, so the, the, the last one she taught, the next one she talks about is creating a successful plan. So, and this mm-hmm. is what we're all about in CDM as saying that, look, you know, change is hard and it's big and we can't keep it vague. So we need to figure out the baby steps, the micro steps that we do this, this month, this week, this day that will get us to where we need to go. When we come up with that plan together to be able to make sure we're headed in the right direction in the way that we need to be able to do that. So having said that, let us get to the third one that uh, we have, the last one that we're going to talk to today. It is mentally strong people don't give up after their first Mm -hmm. failure. Honestly, Mm -hmm. of course, I'm sitting here, I'm like, it should just stop after they don't give up. You know? That's right. That's right. But here's the thing is we have so many people then are in our community that are worried about failing that they never get started. And okay, so you might be like, oh, I'm okay with failure. I'm not a big deal. L- let me just, let me, let's just go through this checklist that she developed in her book and, uh, and see what happens. These are just some so, of them too, guys. Just, just some, some of them. them. We're not going through everything. We're not reading the book. We're going to cover this in the book club. If you want to be a part of the book club, just email us at team at contagiousdisciplemaking.com. That's T-E-A-M <laughs> at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com. So to the checklist. All right. You worry about being perceived as a failure by other people. Okay, You might think, I don't struggle with that. But let me tell you, a lot of leaders or people who are perceived to be leaders do. I've talked with pastors, mission leaders, team leaders, everything that are worried that their people will perceive them as being a failure if they fail in something just one time. Right. And Here's another one. Okay, go oh, ahead. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. I was getting excited. I'm getting, getting excited, excited there. So the, the next two are actually very closely related. Is that You only like to participate in things where you, where you are likely to excel. And you believe mm. the most successful people were born with the natural talent to succeed. And so, you know, these things are closely related because we get into our brains that, hey, we're kind of static in our abilities to be able to, to, to succeed and things like that. So we just should stick to our our absolute strengths because if not, oh my goodness, we will look bad if we don't, you know, just automatically get in there and be good at it right up at the beginning. Or, you know, this is, you know, not my best point, so I need to avoid it. And so the reality is, and, and actually Dr. Caroline Leaf talks a lot about this too in her, her brainwood training, is that you can actually become good at things that originally you weren't good at That's at right. all. And that the, there's an incredible capacity for the brain to learn and to grow and to develop. And that's why God, when he tells us in his word, you know, that we, uh, that, that, that we can develop all the fruits of the spirit that we can, uh, that we're, that though that he does give special gifts to some people that all of us are supposed to, to win the lost and to, to serve people and to, uh, you know, be a leader and, you know, give to other people, you know, so all those gifts, we're supposed to be involved with them at some level. You know, my mom is a huge story for me on this one. I mean, she went over to the field and gave up the mission field and gave up all dreams really of higher education just to take care of the family, to serve the loss and all of that kind of thing. But when she came back and my brother and I were out of the house, she sat there and she says, well, what's keeping me from doing that? She went back to school. 
She got a she got a master's degree in special education. She got a doctorate in special education. She had a 4.0 in both of those, by the way. And then some a few people mentioned to her, you know, you might make a good lawyer. She went in and walked in off the street, took the LSAT, made great scores, ended up being accepted into Texas Tech Law School, got her law degree. And then went in and became an attorney at a firm and worked her way up to being partner. And, and now at the age of 70, that was stuff she began when she, was, when she was in her 50s. And now she's 70 years old and a successful lawyer in Texas. She decided that she wanted to learn something different. She did it, and she's great at it and an inspiration to me. So, Mom, if you ever hear this, I love you. Yeah, yeah. And so, guys, you know, it. They, even if it's not something you feel like it's in your gifting, a lot of times in disciple-making, we'll hear things like, well, I'm evangelist. I'm really not all about, you know, I'm not the discipleship person. Or maybe mm-hmm. that's the opposite. You know, I'm a pat. I'm more of a pastor. I don't, I'm not as good at all that, you know, evangelism stuff. Or, you know, whatever it is. I'm an extrovert. I'm an introvert. You know, like all this, you know, all this, oh, well, I, I just feel led by the Spirit and, you know, oh, that's, that's why I can't do a prayer calendar because I'm just, you know, uh, that's not how I operate. And so, you know, there's just all different kinds of ways of which we basically say, I'm nervous that I'm not going to be perfect at this at the beginning. And I don't want even to, to try lest I risk failing. That's right. And so three other things in that list real quick is if you're at first you attempt something and it doesn't work out and you're not likely to try it again. You may have a failure, fear of failure. If you tend to make excuses for your failure rather than owning up to the things that you can control and learning from them, then you may have a fear of failure. If you'd rather show off the skills that you already have mm. than try to learn new schools, oh, new skills, then you might have a fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And so, but I love this. I love this quote that Amy includes in here. She goes, "Failure doesn't have to be the end. In fact, most successful." people people treat failure as just the beginning of a long journey to success. Absolutely. That's such oh, that's I so, love good. That. so good. So then she talks about overcoming this fear, okay? So it's not mm-hmm. just about admitting that there is one. You know, it talks about how do we overcome? And part of that was identifying beliefs about failure that prevent you from trying again. And and you know, such checklists can actually be uh, something that you can use in order to help identify those beliefs. And uh, then the next way is you need to change the way you're thinking. Now that you've identified those things, you need to change the way you think about failure. Yeah, so Dr. Carol Dweck wrote a book called a Mindset. And in that book, she identifies two different kinds of mindset. One is a fixed mindset. In a fixed mindset, you believe you're born with all the intelligence, all the skills you will ever have. The other mindset is a growth mindset that believes your brain and your skills are a muscle. And the more you exercise them, the stronger you will be, the more successful you will be, the more you learn, that kind of thing. If you have a fixed mindset when it comes to Christianity... You might say, oh, I'll never be a good uh, evangelist or a disciple maker because I'm just gifted at administration or I'm gifted at preaching and teaching or I'm gifted at, and you have a fixed mindset. Here's what I know. God gives you everything you need to do what he's called and commanded you to do. And guess what? 
the command to follow, to make disciples, and the command to um, go and to treat others as you would have them, uh, as you would have them treat you, those are commands. Those are commands. That's not if you have this gifting or not. And so, therefore, I know by faith that when I go out and obey those commands, God's going to give me everything I need, administration, preaching, teaching, whatever is necessary to do what he's called me and commanded me to do. And so we need to have that that mindset that has not have a fixed mindset, but have a growth mindset. In fact, yesterday, I, just, that was, I read the story of Moses being called out in the wilderness and you know, I, oh God, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. You've got it wrong. You should choose somebody else. Who made the tongue? Who made, you know, didn't I do that? Right. You know, so often, you know, God, you know, our limitations do not limit what God wants us to do. So guys, we just need to face the fear and embrace mm-hmm. the fact that learning is a process. It's a learning of successes and failures. In fact, it's a lot of failures. We call it failing forward in our, our, in our right. organization, that there are years of failing forward where we learn and embrace that and realize that we're going to get better. In fact, I tell a lot of people when I'm standing on stage and giving a talk, I'll say, you know what qualifies me to be on this stage? The fact that I failed more than just about anybody else in this room but I committed to learning from my failures and getting better. And ultimately some things started to work out for me and they chained together and created some incredible success. And in fact, can we just remove even a lot of times the word failure and just say, we're growing. We're you growing. Know? Hey, I just tried. Yay. I'm growing. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, exactly and, right. It's only, stuff. it's only a failure. If you, stop if you don't trying. learn from it or if you stop trying, you that's go. exactly there right. I love this. So here's a quote. We're going to end with this. It says, failure can build character by challenging you in new ways. It can help you identify areas in your life that you need to work where you, that you need work as well as hidden strengths that you have never before recognized. If you're interested in being a part of the CDM book club, send us an email at team at contagiousdisciplemaking.com. We're going to start reading this book by Amy Moran. It's the, uh, let me get the exact title here. I just always feel, feel bad for messing it up. 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. That's right. 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do by Amy Moran. We're going to be starting that in February. If you're interested, jump on it quick because there's a limited number of spaces. Send that email to team at contagiousdisciplemaking.com. You've been listening to the, the CDM podcast. I'm Paul Watson. This is Rebecca Ewing, and we, we just love the fact that you hung out with us today. So you can thank you so much for personally supporting this podcast. Remember, like, share, rate, review in order to spread the love to others. Until next time, go and make disciples. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast and for supporting us on Patreon. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com. Join us in the journey of becoming world-changing disciple makers.